Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Well, Bruce, I feel uh, compared to about like an hour ago, I feel about 10 years younger. Pretty sure the hair has grown back in my head. And uh, my shoulder doesn't ache anymore. So I'm doing great. <laughs> it's a day of little, it's a day of miracles, I guess. Um, the order's mm-hmm. with. We should savor this one, Bruce, because I, I doubt there's going to be a more inspiring comeback, at least in the regular season this year. The Oilers, um, you know, things are turning sour for this team. They lost, I think it's, was it two two in a row or three in a row? Three in a row? Two in a row. Seven two out in of a ten, row. though. Yeah, seven out of ten, two in a row. And they're down three nothing in a kind of a typical Oilers loss, what looks to be a typical Oilers loss where they're finding ways to lose and nothing's going, little's going right for them. And they come back with four consecutive third period goals. And not only that, Bruce, it was not just that they scored them, it was who that scored them. And we'll get into that in uh, this podcast, which is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. And because it was a, you know, the comeback win of the year, probably going to end that, probably going to maintain that title in the regular season. Hopefully in the playoffs there'll be some great comebacks too. Um, we'll go with two good things. <laughs> two good things each. What is your first good thing? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with uh, with Lauren Fogle, who I thought was uh, uh, a real dynamo in this game throughout, and uh, he was uh, one of the Oilers' worker bees who was going even when the team really wasn't. Uh, uh, having any success, he was uh, taking the puck to the net. He had a great shift on a four-on-four in the second period after the Oilers' first power play got cancelled on a somewhat marginal penalty on Dreisaitl, and they sent out McLeod and Fogel four-on-four, and they were all over New York. And uh, Fogel had one shot on a wraparound that got stuffed. He had another one where he took it to his backhand, hard to the net, that got stopped. But also just winning battles and keeping the puck in the zone. And uh, and then he carried that play over into, into the third period and uh, created some more uh, uh, good opportunities for the Oilers. And he wound up earning an assist on which of the goals was that? The... Uh, Bouchard's second. Uh, Bouchard's second goal. It was Fogel's pass from below the goal line uh, that went through the crowd in front and right out to uh, Bouchard in the uh, uh, above, but between the circles, but just above him. And Bouchard was able to blast it through a screen and and uh, uh, a score. And uh, I, Fogel in this game. He had officially 10 shot attempts to lead the Oilers. Warren Fogel, you don't see that every day. Uh, he only played 10 minutes and 33 seconds. Unfortunately, he got hurt uh, on his last shift when uh, I'm not sure exactly what was happening. He was skating up the ice, and all of a sudden he was down and out like some sniper had picked him off. But uh, it was. Didn't he uh, collide he, with uh, someone at, at the blue line? Uh, it looked like he just went down on his own. Oh, okay. And then he, then he sort of play. crawled to the bench, and he, I mean he stayed on the bench, but he didn't um, uh, he didn't come back into the game after that. I think there was about five minutes left in the third. Uh, but I just thought overall he was a he was a very strong 
performer and he was one oiler who you know was bringing it even when things were going poorly for uh for the team so uh uh shout out to uh number 37 uh for for a fine performance in a, in a, in a big game and today we're just one example but to me a standout of the uh of the uh players on the lower lines who actually got some stuff done in this game which was a huge huge development yeah ain't that the truth it'd be tough if he's out to lose yeah. another forward with yeah i don't There's know when yamamoto's coming back yeah kane and um, yamamoto out and if fogo were to go out that'd be big i agree like the most important point i think you made about him was the first one in that Early in the game, in the first two periods, when Little was going right for the Oilers and McDavid and Drysdale were on their own line together, but getting very little done, if you know, almost nothing done at even strength. You know, you're expecting fireworks, and they just weren't creating that early in in those first two periods. But Warren Fogle, he just kept at it and was working really hard, battling hard the entire time. So, I agree that that was really important for the Oilers um, to have him leading the way and. He's one of the three million dollar men with Pulley RV and Yamamoto who get a lot of criticism, and um, yep. that was that was a big moment for him that game. My first good thing, Bruce, is two other guys who have been taking a lot of heat: Evan Bouchard and Dylan Holloway. Um, and I'm grouping them together because on the first two goals that the Oilers scored, both kind of um, out outside shots by Bouchard, who was right in front of the goalie. Uh, first, it was kind of a moving screen by Holloway on the first goal. Uh, which was integral to the goal. You know, Bouchard's shot was fantastic. But uh, without, without that moving screen, I don't know if that goes in by Holloway. And the second one, Holloway's in the, a little higher in the slot, but he's also he's also screening the goalie. So um, Bouchard did what he was supposed to do, which was to put the puck on the net. And Holloway did what he did, which was to go to the frickin' net and screen the goalie. Um, earlier in the game, he had uh, Holloway had uh, set up um, Barry for a good shot with a nice pass. He had gotten a close chance himself. Brad Malone made a really nice pass um, after winning the puck behind the net, and Holloway had missed the net just barely on that shot. But then Holloway scored the tying goal in the third. He came down the wing and fired in a grade B, nice shot, grade B scoring chance shot. And somehow this time it was the other team's goalie who made a mistake and and muffed on that shot, one that he should have had and would normally have, but somehow sure, it got fine. past him. So uh, thank goodness for once, you know, Jack Campbell didn't have his best, didn't have a great game, but um, Shesterkin let in a weak goal there, one you know one that he he needed to save, and that was big for the Oilers tying that game three three. Huge for the Oilers, Bruce, if if Bouchard and Holloway can continue with, you know, build on this. I think Bouchard will. I mean, I don't think he's been as bad as people think. He's been in a defensive. He's been in a slump for 10 games. Yeah. But his first 10 games were really good, I thought. Mm-hmm. And the second 10 games were really bad. Now I maybe like he, the team, eh? Yeah, maybe he can crank it up here. I just want to... Um, yeah, he needed that. Man, did he need that. Yeah, I want to go to uh, Paul Coffey. He was interviewed between the first and the second periods. And he was asked specifically about Bouchard's two-way game um, and what he needs to do. And I thought um, Paul Coffey just gave some great advice about Bouchard and to any hockey player and about people watching the game too, because I think sometimes we expect these guys to be everything, right, in a game. Mm -hmm. And so he was asked about his two-way play. And (laughs) Coffey just struck, he just said, you got to do what you do best. 
Evan is great when he has the puck, when his feet are moving, and when he puts pucks on net. So Paul Coffey's not looking for Evan Bouchard to be Rod Langway, Scott Stevens on defense, right? He's not looking for big Bobby Clobber there. He's mm-hmm. looking for someone who gets by on defense, but who does what, who, who, who excels, who sticks with what he does best and excels at that thing. And that's what Bouchard did. He got a couple pucks through and scored a couple huge goals. So uh, I, I thought that was right on the money. And the second comment he made is um, uh, you want, he said, you want uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl to like you? Put the puck on their stick. Stop putting the puck around the boards when those two are on the ice. Again, excellent advice. And, you know, I think it's also good advice for the for the Oilers coaching staff. Bouchard is one guy who can put the puck on yes. their stick. And the Oilers should have, when, when McDavid's on the ice, especially when you're teaming up those two, I don't know how much they played together this game, but when, when if you have McDavid and Dreisel on the ice, make sure Evan Bouchard is also on the ice at the same time. Go with a five-man unit and he's part of it. Now, that might be difficult when you're teaming up a, like two younger defensemen, Broberry and Bouchard, but I think okay, that's not today. a bad idea. Not a bad idea. If you're going to put those two together, and I'm not against that, because I like Barry and Kulak, and Kulak needs some help, and he did well with Barry in the playoffs. I like actually putting Kulak back in a situation where he actually played well, because he's not been playing well at all this year in a in a tougher role. So anyway, if you're going to if you're going to put McDavid and Drysaddle together, stick Evan Bouchard with them, and I think some good things will happen. Bruce, thoughts or your next. <laughs> Yeah, well, Bouchard sure needed those goals. I would say that of the Oilers' defense uh, crew, uh, he is both the best pure shooter of the puck and the best pure passer of the puck. Yeah. And, I mean, other guys make plays and do things. I mean, Tyson Berry does a lot of things, but uh, he does things by guile and, and you know, makes moves and, and uh, uh, you know, picks, uh, picks good spots on the ice. But Bouchard with the puck on his stick... If you're looking for a guy to make a 50 or 80 or 20 foot outlet pass, he's probably the best guy to make that pass. And and for shooting, I mean, we saw finally, finally in game 21, that shot that yeah. made it three to one. And I mean, there was one angle that showed that thing clicking the bar bar down about an inch inside the post, shot right through a screen. I mean, stop that. And uh, that was the one that opened the floodgates. And then, of course, he uh, uh, he opened another sluice with the uh, with the three two as well. So, you know, once uh, uh, once the bubble was burst, it was nice to see him, you know, come right back and do it again just uh, uh, three minutes later. So uh, that's uh, a very, very welcome development. And, I mean, people in recent days have been talking about sending him to the minors. I mean, I Sending Bouchard never... to the minors? Yes. Who's yes, saying I, that? I, oh, jeez. Yeah, Seriously? Twi- twi- Twitter is saying that. Anyway, uh, uh, it's, uh, and it's not a majority opinion, yeah. but it's not like one lonely voice in the wilderness. I've read quite a bit of it. And I've been sour on Bouchard's play, but sending him to the minors was never in the equation. But it's just good to see him. Finally, you know, do something that has a positive outcome and see him actually smiling, you know, because it looks like the world was on his shoulders there for a while. Bruce, I'm glad that the um, that the wannabe GMs who would have traded Paul Coffey in his first season are still employed in Edmonton, obviously, giving their sage <laughs> advice after all these years. <laughs> Paul Coffey for Rick Martin. Yeah, you remember? exactly. Yeah, I do, actually. And... Uh, <laughs> 
for a washed up injured Rick Martin, who, you know, had been a great player quite a number of years before. Anyway. Oh, sorry, that threw me for, I hadn't seen that comment. I, can't <laughs> I, I think I bought Well, if they'd have traded for Rick Martin, thing. they wouldn't have needed to put Yari Curry on Wayne Gretzky's wing, right? Because they would have had their sniper. They could have I mean, traded Curry too when he didn't score. In thank 20 you, Glenn Sather, for sticking with the kids. Yes, <laughs> yes, and you know what? And we're going to get to this, but you know, mm-hmm. Philip Robery had a rough start to the game. We're going to we'll de- mm-hmm. detail that in a little bit. But think, you know, uh, Woodcroft stuck with him in this game too. He, like he didn't get mm-hmm. Dmitry Samarukov and and only get three minutes this game. Of course, he right. didn't quite make as many mistakes as Samarukov made in that game uh, early on, but. You know that you just you do have to be patient with talented young hockey players, and Evan Bouchard was playing. He was fantastic in the first ten games, as bad as he was in the last ten games. That's how good he was. Mm-hmm. So, do people forget that? Are they not aware of it? Anyway, uh, my second good thing, Bruce. I I, uh, I was going to mention Jesse Pulleyarby. Oh, just wait, it's your turn. Your turn for your second good thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, all right. All right. Well, my second good thing was, in some ways, my first good thing. Uh, uh, assistant video coach Jeremy Kupal, who went two for two on the uh, video challenges in this game in the second period, and uh, even as the Oilers subsequently allowed two goals in the second period, it turned a, you know, a three. A five-nothing deficit into a somewhat more manageable three-nothing deficit, <clears throat> which I think anyone would agree there would be no coming back from five-nothing in this game. Uh, but the first uh, challenge was uh, a microscopic um, offside call at the blue line, and much as I hate the rule, you know you got to use it to your advantage. And and uh, Timmy Panarin crossing the blue line. Uh, didn't quite do the old Wayne Gretzky play where Wayne would stick the puck about an inch over the blue line, then pull it back and use the full width of the line, but with the with the play already fully legalized. Panarin got it almost all the way over the front edge of the blue line, then pulled it back onto the blue. And then his line mate went in before he technically got the puck in the zone. So it was a close call, but the angles were were definitive and they, they got it right and the video coach got it right, good on him. And then the uh, goalie interference call later in the second period, uh, when the guy got inside position on Philip Robery, and, and uh, uh, but he went into the blue paint, and just as the uh, Ranger uh, was firing the shot that uh, beat Cam Talbot, uh, the the uh, the fellow coming into the crease uh, took the knob of uh, not Cam Talbot, but I'll tell you in a moment why, why my head is there. Jack Campbell. Yeah. And he took the knob of his stick just as Campbell was going to, you know, try and make a blocker save. The shot was going blocker side. And uh, the guy took the knob of his stick and actually took the stick out of his hand and also just p- took his whole blocker momentum with it away from the puck. And they looked at the, at the replay and uh, again, Oilers challenge, of course, and uh, took a long time. Uh, but uh, possibly because Corey Perry wasn't involved this time, they allowed it, uh, they they accepted the challenge. This was a goal that reminded me very much of the what do we say to Corey challenge of the 2017 Anaheim series when Corey Perry went through the, uh, didn't go through the blue paint. I think that was maybe the difference. 
but it absolutely took the knob of Cam Talbot's stick uh, just as the shot was going stick side on Talbot, he just moved his whole blocker hand away from its natural direction of making the save. And, uh, of course, they looked at that replay, too, and uh, the conclusion was, what do we say to Corey? So uh, it was a very similar play to that. But anyway, they got the call, and the guy was in the blue paint, and it was, uh, you know, they could have said Brogery pushed him in, but he really didn't. There was, like, almost no... no change in his path the guy the guy took the inside route into the blue paint and he paid a price for it but credit to the to the video guy for twice singling out a play that should be reviewed it was and the orders won both challenges and they won the game by one goal so this is a game where uh, uh they can uh, uh give an extra gold star to uh, jeremy Kupel. Yeah, Bruce, a lot has to be going right for the Oilers to win a game like that. And I, so my, my uh, good thing is the hockey gourds, which, mm-hmm. you know, usually have aligned against the Oilers quite a bit this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see, you know, Dreisaitl's penalty call there where, where he, he does a little slash, the kind of slash you oh. see every single shift and he gets a penalty yeah. and you start to think, oh, not, not again. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Exactly. And then, you know, they can't, <laughs> Paulie Arvey hits the post in the first period. Like, he is snake bitten. So I'm just thinking, oh, this is more of the same. But then there's those two calls. And the uh, the Panarin call, clearly, there's just no doubt about it. He, that's that's offside because he didn't doesn't bring the puck in initially. But the other call could have gone against the Oilers. I mean, it, it was the, you know, I'm an Oilers fan, so I'm going to say it was the right call. I do think it was the right call, and I, and I hope I would admit that if it was the other way around, if it was an Oiler going through the crease, taking out the goalie stick like that just before the shot arrives. It's, it's he probably has that save, Campbell does, if that does not happen. So um, those two, that that second call, that there's, there's the something going for the Oilers that usually doesn't go for the Oilers. And um, then they start to, um, then they start to score, Bruce. And these are, these are, you know, outside shots. This, these are the, uh, the Californian, you know, the, the Burnsy, where you put the puck on net and you hope that good things happen. Now, they were great shots by, by um, Evan Bouchard. Burns, Brent Burns usually just lobs the puck on net on those plays and the good things happen. But um, there was traffic in front of the net and you score two goals like that in a row. That's that's also some good luck. You know, you you need that to happen. Um, the uh, the third goal then is more good luck. You know, for that to get by Shesterkin, you know, the best goal in the NHL last year, that's some really good luck. You know, that's that's fantastic. That's the that's the good uh, the hockey gourd hat trick, uh, <laughs> right there. You've got outside shots going in. You got. Um, uh, from the point screen, you got uh, the the NHL head office going your way on a on a on a key call, and then you score uh, on a B scoring chance shot against the NHL's best goalie. So um, a lot went right for the Oilers. That's what's got to happen if you're going to come back from three goals down in the in the uh, third period. But that's exactly what did happen, culminating in Leon Draisaitl winning a key battle at the side of the net to put in the winning goal. And I bumped up his grade a full two marks. Uh, Leon's great at full two points for that, just that one, one battle, such a key one, but, uh, he won it. So, all right. Bad things, Bruce. What's your bad? Yeah, I got to go with that, uh, with that first goal. 
in the first two minutes and 20 seconds of the game. Uh, After being shut out uh, by the other superstar goalie that plays in New York, Sorokin, uh, you want to, you know, you don't want to be looking up at a deficit on the scoreboard. And the Oilers spent, you know, most of the rest of the afternoon looking up at a deficit on the scoreboard after getting beat on, um, uh, well, what was the first shift for the the third line as it started the game and the third pairing of uh, Bouchard and uh, Broberry. And it was was just a bit of a mess in the order zone all the way around, but ultimately it came down to uh, some lost battles. Tim Costin was beaten wide by by uh, Adam Fox, uh, who is a great player. I mean, that's that's a mismatch, yeah. and he yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he took the puck wide, and Evan Bouchard got kind of got caught standing around in the red light zone, not really taking the passing lane, the shooting lane. He was on the wrong side because uh, Brobery was had gone all the way to the right boards early in the play, and then. Um, uh, it was um, uh, Brobery. He actually did a pretty good job on the guy in the corner, but coming back to the front of the net, uh, he uh, was uh, uh, just on the wrong side of uh, uh, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, who got inside of him. And, and Lafreniere gave him a little bump, and Brobery lost his balance. And sort of went dropped down to one knee, so he wasn't able to get inside position. He wasn't able to take the guy's stick, and he wasn't even able to keep his own feet. And Fox ripped a pass right into the blue paint that was just tipped home by the goal scorer Lafreniere. Uh, and just like that, it was one nothing. And at first, I thought, well, maybe Campbell could have played that pass because it did come right into his blue paint, but it was a bullet, and it wasn't from not that far out. I just don't know how he would even have time to turn his stick on it, maybe make a kick at it. But anyway, it was uh, not one that you necessarily blame the goalie when they can get a deflection from uh, from such close range. But uh, I just thought, deeper, oh, good grief, you know, we've got these two young guys playing together and they just get owned like that on the very first sort of half of the shift that they played. Egads. Egads. So, yes. yes, yeah, a very difficult start to the game. So that was my bad thing. I'm sure that's what you were saying to the TV set. He gets. He gets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I was repeating my mantra. Never in doubt. No doubt. Never. Don't have any doubt. They're going to win. Broberry was also pretty. <laughs> had a kind of a soft moment on the called back goal that where the yes. goalie stick was taken up because he first he got beat down the boards, yeah. and then he got beat to inside position uh, yeah. um, by the Rangers forward again. So he's a rookie. Uh, yep. Welcome back to the NHL, kid. It's it's a tough league, and you got to be on the ball. So um, let's give him some time. He is a good yep. hockey player. Yep. Um, there's going to be growing pains. He, listen, his develop people love Oscar Clefbaum in this city. Um, you know, for for the way he developed as a player, Philip Broberry's developmental curve and his skill set is in a lot of ways very similar to Clefbaum. So I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we have another Clefbaum like player here. And We'll see, but it's only going to happen if people are patient and don't flip out at the first mistake and want to send him to the minors and, and bench him in the game. The coach didn't do that, so uh, 
let's see what happens here with this player. Well, here's a question for you. Can you see Ryan Murray getting beaten on those two plays? I, I can. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know, I, you know, so I think it's, this is a thing where uh, Dave Manson can take uh, young Philip into the film room and just sort of mm-hmm. say, here's, you know, here's what happened on this goal and here's what happened on this goal and find a few examples where he was in a good spot and, and, and as a result, nothing happened. You might have to go back to last year's video because there wasn't a lot from today. Yeah. But I know that's uh, the Woodcroft style is to show f- at least four good plays for every one bad one that they're trying to, when they're trying to correct it, they're trying to show the player examples where he actually did do it correctly and just say, keep doing this. So it's a, it's a good approach. But uh, Because, go, go, sorry, go ahead. It's... It, it's um, uh, you know, hopefully lesson learned and uh, a lesson is much more uh, happily learned when at the end of the day, you've, you know, you're celebrating a W and you say, well, we could have, you know, we made things a little harder on ourselves with this situation. Ultimately, we came out on top, but uh, here's something to work on, uh, young Philip. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it's pretty harsh first shift of the season though for that kid there might be the you know the rare forward who needs to be yelled at about defensive mistakes because you know they're so used to playing with the puck on their stick they got bad defensive habits from from playing the first 15 years of their career with the puck or the first 10 years of their career like minor hockey up with the puck on their stick so they're just like clueless on defensive hockey they've been an elite player that time but i think defensemen What's the point of yelling at Philip Roberry on a play like that or, or getting mad at him? He, I, unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think I am, he knows. He, he knows. Oh, his he reactions. Knows. He knows. And and so, yeah, I, I really think, you know, with a, with players like that, uh, that approach of showing, here's where you did it right. Here's where you did it right. right. Show, you, you do this right constantly. You, let, you, were, you were just, you know, you, you were a little bit... Um, not focused on your first shift back in the NHL. You were a little little ex- excited and you forgot a detail here. This is a big one. Okay. I know you know that, but let's look at when you got it right. And I think that's the proper approach. Get your stick under the other guy's stick, get your shoulder into, into his yeah. chest. Get know. ready. Yeah. Get ready yeah. for that moment when the puck comes in the slot and you're going to lift his stick and he's not yeah. going to be able to score the goal. Um, my bad thing. That's my bad thing. Oh. This is a okay. This is a different kind of mistake from a veteran D man, and I'm going to be a little harder on Cody Cece than I was on Philip Robury. Um, of course, every defenseman, and and Cody Cece is a solid defensive defenseman who has been actually playing, I think, better hockey as as this slump's got along. He's actually been getting his game together a little bit more, and I think playing well. But on the second goal that the Rangers scored, the puck goes into the Oilers' end. And it goes onto his stick and he makes an unforced turnover, which really did look like it just, I mean, I think he was anticipating where nurse was going to be his partner and nurse didn't go there, but you have to be sure. And you've got to hold on to the puck long enough to make sure, because when he gives away that puck, it starts off the sequence of pain, the, uh, the horrible sequence of pain, because, um, everyone's playing catch up after that. You know, you make an unforced turnover, um, nurse is chasing the puck. McDavid's chasing the puck. Yes, a Pulley Arvey's chasing the puck. And it goes to a wide open player all of a sudden 
shouldn't be wide open, but because there's a turnover, no one's in the right position to defend. Mm-hmm. And, and that player is wide open to shoot the puck. And um, we have Campbell. I'm just trying to think how that shot went. It deflected from behind the goal. line. Yeah. So then it goes, the puck goes behind the net or to the player behind the net. And he puts it back into the slot and Campbell puts it in. So a horrible moment for Jack Campbell. Everyone's probably, I know I was, you know, saying egads again. And um, (laughs) Jack Campbell has made another screw up to, to lead to a big goal against, right? Like that's the thought in everybody's head, but really it's Cody Cece who starts off that all with an unforced turnover. Turnovers are the worst mistakes because mm-hmm. they're, they're on that list. They're, they're high on that list, right up there with bad line changes. And um, because there's no, there's little recovering from it often from that turnover. And um, it's just, no one's in position to defend the second you turn over that puck unexpectedly, especially, right? Because they're all NHL players. They're all anticipating the right play, the safe play, the smart play. And when that doesn't happen, they're just, they're just like, oh my, like it's they're, they're they can't react quickly enough to stop the bad things that's going to happen next, and it quickly escalates. And in Jack Campbell's in the hot seat again, all of a sudden. So, and again, Cody's he, of course he you know of course he knows that he made that turnover, and he's pretty you know he's pretty darn good with the puck. He's a safe player with the puck. In fact, I bet you if we if I looked last year at who who made the fewest turnovers that led to goals against of Oilers defensemen on a rate basis, it would be Cody CC. That's my bet, and um. Female, check that as we talk. But um, uh, so a, a rare mistake by CC, but still a really bad one. And um, so that's why it's my bad thing. Bruce, your number. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to go with a set of numbers. Um, uh, and this is from the Natural Stat Trick, which is, does uh, the counts of this game and applies their own um, uh, system for for determining things like scoring chances. But this is, uh, uh, from the Oilers' perspective, uh, sh- uh, Corsi, or shot attempts, 65% Edmonton. This is all situations, um, which included like a minute and a half more power play time for New York than it did for Edmonton. Uh, 65% shot attempts, uh, 67% Fenwick, or unblocked shot attempts, uh, 58% of the shots, 73% of the scoring chances, 35 to 13 they had for Edmonton in scoring chances, and 15 to 7 in high danger chances, so 68% of those, uh, 67% of expected goals, and finally 57% of actual goals. So that was actually the lowest number of all those set of numbers was the Oilers got four of the seven goals for 57%. But they dominated right across the entire shot uh, and scoring chance um, metrics as measured by um, uh, natural statric. Now I know we had a closer on the on the grade A shots uh, in this particular game, uh, but the uh, uh, the uh, this this was a big advantage for Oilers playing on the road. They 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 played some desperate hockey in this game. They were they had a pretty good second period and weren't very lucky. And then the third period, they had a pretty good third period, and they did get lucky. And finally, they came out on uh, on top. So partly pushed by score effects, but mostly pushed by Edmonton Oilers. So credit to them. All righty. Um, I was just trying to get a, a rate, but I wasn't able to do the math quickly enough for uh, last year. Turnovers. Um, 
per so just I'll just give a quick comparison mm -hmm. uh, between Cody CC and Evan Bouchard last year. So they played a, a, about the same amount of time at even strength, Cody CC and Evan Bouchard. Mm -hmm. Evan Bouchard made 27 turnovers that led to grade A shots against, and mm -hmm. Cody CC in slightly more time made just nine. So um, Darnell Nurse uh, played a little bit more than CC. He made 18 uh, mm -hmm. uh, turnovers that led to uh, grade A shots against, and CC made nine. So we see there that uh, CC is pretty good with the puck, but that's not my number. That's an additional number. My number is seven and five. That's Jack Campbell's <laughs> winning record this year. One loss record this year. So for a goalie who has an 875 save percentage, um, man, just wait till he gets that save percentage to 910, Bruce. Did again uh, today, 870 in this game, but he got the win. Yeah. <laughs> he, he keeps getting the win. If he can get that save percentage, like if just the rest of the year, if he can play 910, he's mm -hmm. going to get a lot more wins. Um, he's like, I, I think I've made this analogy before. He's like that um, pitcher in baseball who's got uh, like 20 wins and 15 losses, but has an earn run average of 458, you know, uh, 4.5 runs against per game. So he, he somehow is, is winning games. And, Job one of the goalie is of any player uh, is to win the game. So I don't know how he's doing it necessarily, but uh, mm -hmm. seven and five. If the Oilers, that's you know, if you win that in seven out of twelve games, you will make the playoffs in the NHL. So um, he is on a playoff-making uh, run for the Edmonton Oilers. S seriously, I, and, and I want to, I want to. Uh, he, he he hasn't been playing that great, but he, he's had two games where he's been a little bit better um there was that big mistake today but that you know that was and that was a that was a tough mistake and that wasn't good but um there there was talk earlier is the puck going through his glove or not and i think that i just dismissed that as is utter nonsense like how could that happen but i i think that there's some evidence now that he's changed the webbing he changed the glove yeah or changed the glove changed the webbing his glove so maybe that did happen like some people are swearing to it that's exactly what happened I, when I when I switched from Shaw to Telus, I lost super slow mo on my TV, so I'm mm -hmm. unable to go frame by frame and look at it closely enough to tell. But it's it it sounds like some people are are absolutely utterly convinced it did go through his glove, and maybe that's exactly that, what did happen. That Bruce. one by Dallas, I think it was Colin Miller who scored from the blue line. It was a rocket, like he's got a really heavy shot and he stepped right into it, like the puck was coming toward him as he stepped into it, and he just got everything on it. And it hit Campbell's glove and it just sort of carried on in the net. You said, well, maybe it hit the top of his glove or something. That's and Campbell was staring at the glove. And then later they showed, they zoomed in on the glove and there's like this square uh, rectangle of a hole between the webbing that looked like it was exactly the shape and size of a puck. And like it just pushed the, the webbing was just so loose enough that the puck was able to just, I mean, at that speed, which it really was a rocket, but it was a very strange goal. And there's been two or three others that hit the glove and still went in, but I don't think went through. But I think that one by Miller actually did go through. It was sort of a, the, the evidence was, because it was right after the goal and they had a, one of the cameras just came right in tight on the glove and there was this, there, there was this rectangular gap in the in the webbing of the glove so he's got a new glove they had some good stuff yesterday showing uh uh campbell all wearing all the same equipment von goalie equipment 
uh, on his pads, on his blocker, on his glove. Uh, but the blocker and pads all had puck stains on them, like they'd been used quite a lot, and the, the glove was just bright white, brand new. So he's changed. <laughs> and maybe high time that he did that. You know, I have some numbers on Campbell, and they're about a week old, so they won't be perfectly accurate anymore. Uh, uh, but last week on my radio spot, we were talking about him. So I looked up his performance in calendar 2022, because last year in Toronto, he was fantastic in the first half, and then he had a very problematic <laughs> second half. Part of which was caused because he was playing hurt because the other goalies were hurt, and he tried to tough it out. But of the at that time, this was like one week ago, and there was 55 goalies in the NHL who played 20 or more games in calendar 22. So since January 1st, and that time uh, Campbell ranked fifth out of 55, very very good in points percentage, 70, 70.6% of the points, 22 wins, eight losses, four other losses. Uh, very, very good. Uh, he was 50th in goals against average and 55th and dead last in save percentage. And yet somehow with those horrible percentages, he was the fifth best, fifth most successful goalie at winning games and a big part of the reason was he had huge goal support of almost 4.4 goals per game between Toronto and Edmonton during his time there so he's he's really had a rugged entire calendar year and the Oilers when they signed him obviously they were anticipating the Campbell of the first half and not the guy who struggled and you know with injury uh, in the second half of the season but we're getting more of that guy because his stats here are not that dissimilar from how he did in the second half in Toronto. So hopefully they, well, let's just say the calendar can't hit 2023 soon enough because it's this calendar year, other than the fact that he signed a nice $25 million contract. <laughs> it's not been a real great year for Jack Campbell. There are some bad rebounds today, some iffy rebounds. You know, it wasn't a great game at all from him. I, I ended up giving him a five. I think that was charitable. Four, four might have been because of those rebounds. Like I just like they, they were lucky a few times that it didn't pop to the wrong person. Yeah, Bruce, he he's got a like he's giving in four goals a game this year. I mean, how he, he was beat clean from the top of the circle on that offside challenge too, right? Yeah, that doesn't. Panarin's it's not goal. on the record. Panarin put it yeah. just blew it right through him. And anyway, not good. Yeah, and, and you know what? I I didn't know why he started the game. Like I would have started Stuart Stuart Skinner. Like I like. Uh, I was okay with Kulak and Barry, but I, I thought, wow, I go back to Stuart Skinner. He's been the best goalie this year. Gives you the best chance to win, but they won. So um, mm-hmm. there you go. How wrong I was yet again. Uh, yeah. Well, Bruce, huge win. The, you know, the Oilers would have huge been Huge win. Capital U. Huge. huge. That's how people, I don't know. Some people say huge. They say huge, but they say huge. And I don't know if that's a regional thing. Uh, Tom Barrett, who's from New Jersey, like a, uh-huh. you know, he's a friend of yours and a friend of mine yeah. from the Edmonton Journal. He he says huge, and I wonder he's from New Jersey originally. I wonder if it's kind of a regional thing or I don't know. Anyway, you huge win from the Oilers, Bruce. They would be one game below oh. five, and the, the the feelings, the depth of despair, plus the the young players screwing up early in the game, and you know would have added to that narrative and. It, 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 we would have had a really rancid, horrible time. And I don't think the orders needed that. 
like sometimes you need to lose a little bit to get your to get the motivation to get the game back together to to fo- finally focus on what you should be focusing on. The Oilers haven't been that bad a team as a team defensively for the last three or four games. They've been limiting grade A uh, shots against. They've been playing okay and and uh, you know so to, so to lose again in a, in a really similar kind of game would have been hard to take, but they didn't. And now they have this great feeling that uh, and mm-hmm. you know. They're going to need Dylan Hall. Like, I, it seems to me like they've started with him. There's clearly a player there. Like, he, he can make plays. Um, he's, he has good hockey offensive instincts. Um, he can, he, I think he can play in the NHL. Well, you know, it looks like he's, he might get another chance at a, on the third line or at a higher line again here based on that game. Evan Bouchard, they need him. They need him to bring his A game that he brought in those first 10 games. They need that player. They're not going to succeed this year um, for whatever reason. He, he just, he lost, Coffee nailed it. His feet have not been moving. And at the offensive blue line, they haven't been moving either. He's got to get moving. He's got he's to walk the line and get a shot. He's got to try to make plays, to be a playmaker, and take some chances, I guess, in doing so um, sometimes. Like when you're moving with the puck, it can always be stripped off your stick. Um, if you're trying to protect it, but you know, that's what Adam Fox does. Adam Fox is just so cool, calm and collected with the puck. Like watch Adam Fox play. That's how Evan Bouchard, that's the model for him because Fox isn't like, he's not Kale McCarr on his skates. He's not super fast, but he's super, he's, he's agile and he's calm. And that's what Evan Bouchard can be. So huge win for the Oilers. Yeah. You, well, I mean, yeah, first goal of the season for, uh, Bouchard and Holloway, first career goal for Holloway, and, and uh, I'm thinking Holloway may well have just saved himself a trip to Bakersfield. Like yeah. I had an idea he was going down at the end of the strip that uh, you know they they were getting Tyler Benson ready to go, and that you know there just weren't any results there, and even right into the third period, trailing three nothing, and you know he's been uh, one of the sort of uh, um, uh, peripheral culprits on one of the goals against, and not much is happening, and all of a sudden the th- Third line, I mean, this is the other thing. Just let's call it secondary scoring in general, tertiary scoring that produced. I mean, Ryan McLeod was on the ice for all three of those goals, and McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and Nuge and Hyman weren't on for any of them that tied it. And uh, but Holloway, you know, he had the two screens, and then he on his goal, he did what we talked about on this podcast one or two times before shoot the darn puck, you know, trust your shot. You know, take and what does he do? He dings one in off the post against the Vezina Trophy winner to tie the game in the third period. Now that is a nice first career goal at Madison Square Garden. I mean, you put the tape around that puck and you put it right in the trophy case, and there it goes. And it's not. I mean, I mentioned Tyler Benson. His first career goal was a scored in garbage time in a 6-2 loss. You know, where you couldn't even celebrate the damn goal. Well, this was a goal to, to, to keep. It was a great B shot, but he made a great shot. You know, he put it right in off the post. Yeah. So, yeah. So he can be proud of that one. And uh, good for you, Dylan Holloway. It was a long wait, but uh, hopefully the first of many. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Bruce. Let's leave it there. Thanks for talking today. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.